You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. After six years, you boys know that I love you. Dearly, enjoy the podcast. Love it every week, having that time to chat. All things considered, right here, right now, I would much rather be killing demons. <laughs> like, I, I think you've killed enough <laughs> demons for the time being. In every conceivable way, I would much rather be playing D3 right now. <laughs> you know, I'm not even offended by that. Because it's awesome. Yeah, I, I was almost going to suggest this week we just record the episode while playing Diablo. Dude, I was like, this this freaking close to saying that. Because totally really? Been down with that. That would have been a ton of fun. Yeah, well, screw you. I got Vince to ask if you wanted to be power leveled yesterday and you ignored us. Wait, so, what? What? You didn't ask him? I didn't Nobody see you ask me to ask him. I asked you nope. twice while I was Never power loving it. you. I asked you Never twice. Never saw it. No, nobody asked me anything. You jackass. I asked him twice. I Listen, said, find out if Joe wants to be. I was only looking at the screen like maybe 70% of the time. Yeah. Well, I was power loving Vince. I got him to 70 in like, what, a half hour, if that? It was ridiculous. And then I was saying, while I was doing it, I was saying, oh, there's Joe. He logged in. Just ask him if he wants to come and join us. And I, I asked, actually, if it was yesterday, I would have already been seventy. I would have helped you out. No, actually, you weren't on, on. You were playing a character that wasn't yet seventy. So that's why. And then when he never replied, I went, "Okay, well, is is the bastard ignoring us? Screw him then." So <laughs> there were two opportunities there for Vince to go. Oh, maybe I should invite Joe so that he can get power oh, level. Yeah. As well. Well, okay. I think I, I, I think I need to do this then, on behalf of Roger. God damn it, Vince! Fuck you. <laughs> Such an asshole. <laughs> that said, I can appreciate that a the text goes way too fast on that in that chat window, and b especially when you're leveling up seventeen times. Oh, in I know. Thirty seconds. <laughs> but also, it's it's. I had Tristan level up a character for me the other day, and a wizard. That was before I got my last piece for my. Um, invoker set for my, my crusader and so i said i'll try a wizard as well because crusader without the full set is horrible but as soon as you get that full set best class in the game but anyways i don't notice if, if you saw last night i, was I wasn't done my story of, i don't care all right <laughs> when i when i went off on my own to start farming up gear my crusader i got three set pieces all the wrong sides yeah that happened a ton <laughs> i'm now freaking disenchanting salvaging the set piece, the invoker set piece, because I'm I'm getting them enough now. Anyways, while I had while Tristan was leveling me, par leveling me, it it is you stand in the entrance, and it was like hmm. So I took my iPad out and I was reading comics. <laughs> it was, was quite pleasurable. YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah. So for anybody who has not listened to the last few episodes, we did mention that the season five of Diablo three was going to be starting on Friday last week. It did, and it is bloody awesome. Like I'm, I'm enjoying this better than any of the other seasons and I've already got, well, I've got three characters to 70, but I've got two that have got their full sets. When you first start off as you are, and this is a great addition too. again, they're, Mm -hmm. they're learning here. They're really doing some smart things. The game has come a long way. If you haven't been playing because of initial reports of all the things that were wrong with it, well, a lot of those are fixed now, most of them, and it's just plain fun all the time now. So the way it's set up now, as you gain specific achievements, you get pieces of your set. But you only get that happen, like that only happens once. So you got to be careful which set you choose. And so as we were leveling, I started off with my Demon Hunter because I was going to do a wizard initially because they're the safe bet, wizards and barbs because Blizzard loves them, always has, are the safe bet. But then I started playing with uh, Finralil and and, uh, Sinister, Jenny and Jason, and they were already about 11 levels higher than me, and they were both wizards. So I went, well, fuck that. So I started the Demon Hunter, figuring, I'll give this, you know, no bow spec a, a, a shot. And then I worked towards getting 
the different achievements and whatnot with them as well as with my son. And we had a blast. He was leveling his wizard as well. Again, another goddamn wizard. Impale spec with that shadow's mantle with the demon hunter is ridiculous. You're like one shotting guardian riffs. It's crazy, crazy fun. And then if you have the right dagger, which I just lucked out and got very early on once I hit 70, it uh, every second you get a stack for your fan of knives that gets stronger and stronger. So once it hits 30, you just hit that fan of knives and pretty much everything dies around you. So that's where your AOE, but the rest of the time it's very much single target damage. And I did the dungeon set as well, dungeon or the set dungeon, I should say, which was very tricky, but I will say this. I haven't done the other ones yet. I still am looking forward to trying the Crusader one. But what they were trying to do is teach you how to play that spec for that that set, mm-hmm. and it worked. Like, I would have thought, screw you. I've been playing this game for years. I know what I'm doing. I'll just play. It'll be fine. But no, like, especially for this, it's very much about playing safe precise everything else and i figured out how to do that after about four or five tries and then i was applying that as i was doing the thing so it actually worked i thought that was fairly cool the only thing i don't like about the set dungeons and allow me to preface this by saying i don't haven't collected a full set myself yet but from what i'm reading online and seeing of other people is they don't scale so if you have a whole bunch of paragon it's actually harder to do it Because your stats are too high and you're killing the enemies before you can, you know, group them together or whatever you need to do for some of the special objectives. Yeah, but you can just get rid of the Paragon. I know. It it just seems kind of silly. Yeah. I I found that it worked. Again, I only did it for the Shadow Mantle. Make sure you equip your ancient legendaries and just go with regular legendaries. Like, downgrade your gear so you're not too strong. It's kind of weird. Oh, yeah, like that ancient legendary barbarian sword that lets you cast Earthquake whenever you cast any ability, including a buff. Yeah, that that seems like that should be something I shouldn't equip for those. I want that sword. I have that sword. (laughs) Because I'm building to the Earth set on my barbarian. Nice. Okay, yeah, so neither of you have actually done a, a set dungeon then. Not yet. No, I barely. I just hit seventy on my barbarian, and I just got my uh, my two set pieces from hitting seventy, right? And from killing Zoltan Cool. Yeah, so I'm I, about to have the full set over on my Demon Hunter from the bonuses. Yeah, I'm working on that now. So I haven't done any set dungeons yet, which is um, next on my list. They're both fun and extremely frustrating. And I talked to a <laughs> bunch of people who did the um, the Demon Hunter one as well as the the wizard one nobody in the others yet and they were saying the same thing like tristan finally finished his it took a lot of tries with his wizard but it's it's the meteor build that brings you back to life so you have to die (laughs) routinely in order to kill a whole bunch of people with meteor and i was like oh my god that would drive me nuts and then with the demon hunter you actually have to string you have to chain uh, i think it's 15 or 20 kills without repeating either so this is where the Paragon levels come in handy because you want to one-shot everything mm-hmm. so that it's out of the way. But yeah, it was, again, it was bloody fun. I will say, having now two characters, and I can't speak for all of them, of course, but these two, I will say that these set pieces, these sets, are so much more fun than any previously. And that's saying a lot because some of the other sets that I had Case in point, the one that I had for a while on my wizard, where it was the time bubbles just drained everybody's life. That was so much fun to play. But these two are ridiculous. It's it's just completely different play styles. And in their own way, each of them just a ton of fun. I think aside from Monk, like all the other classes got a whole bunch of cool fun stuff. Like Monk actually got a, a cool new build with um, the redone. I think it was the Inna's set. With now you can you can have eight of the uh, elemental spirits following you around. <gasps> Pretty friggin' awesome. I think the thing is everybody played the hell out of Monk last season, so yeah. nobody's oh, yeah. touching it this year. Even though we got some cool new stuff too. Well, I am looking forward to playing the other one, but like I've been telling people, I've been having so much fun on my Crusader ever since I've got the full pieces to the Invoker set. And as of 
as of lunch today, <laughs> I've actually got every piece of the set that I need, not just the set, but all of the gear that I need based on the really good build that's up on uh, Icy Mains. And I got so them all. So what point are you going pro, Raj? Dude, it <laughs> is. playing this game way too damn much. Crazy how much fun it is once you have the full set and how fast it is. Like I am just, I keep ranking up my, the greater rifts. And it's one of those where you have to finish one level before it unlocks two more. And then you just keep going like that. And I'm just clearing them off with tons of time and my health never goes down. Like freaking elite corpse explosions. I stand in that shit. I ain't getting out of here. <laughs> Screw you. You come at me, bro. <laughs> and it's a ton, ton of fun. And plus I've been now doing, and it's a different play style than the demon hunter, which you're squishy. You, you gotta be fucking careful and get the hell out of Dodge. As soon as there's too many mobs, I've been doing the enhanced or whatever they're calling augmented or whatever. Yeah. Greater riffs. What do the hell are they calling them again? Augmented. I think. Yeah. First of all, that shit is fucking expensive. Okay. <laughs> at 40 ish level 40 ish. Um, you're looking at over 20 million. Wow. That adds up. So, but a little bit. Yeah. But the good thing is, is that, especially for this build, which is very much an AOE build. There's a ton more mobs in there. So I don't have to go chasing after them. Motherfuckers just come at me. <laughs> and so pretty much you can't even see your crusader in the middle. With you. Yeah, exactly. That's what I kept thinking. That's exactly what it is. And just slaughter them all. I can finish the augmented ones faster than the regular ones by a significant amount. Just because so many mobs are there to kill. Empowered, actually, I just remember. Yes, that's right. So, And I'm not sure if you get better loot at the end from doing that, or if it was just a fluke that the ones that I did had quite a bit better gear. I know you no, get an additional... You're supposed to get better loot out of it. Like you get an extra roll, is what you get. Yeah, you get an extra a gem, roll. gem roll. So that's kind of worth it as well, too. But, no, well, not for $20 million, but... Well, if you're one of those people who plays the hell out of the game and you're sitting on billions of gold, not yet. It's something. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's something to do with the money, which is good because I mean, they've put in things At this point, I I'd, I'd be happy to just melt down the money and turn it into gear. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I've got a gem also that gives you 20% chance it starts off at to get a uh, an explosion of gold from mobs mm -hmm. when you kill them. My freaking little Groot mini pet is chasing after gold constantly. <laughs> Even at 20%, it's that. everywhere. That's the best thing in this. I want to call it an expansion because it's, it almost feels like it. Mm -hmm. But in this patch, mini pet getting gold is that, the best thing. I there will is. never not laugh at the little dog running around. Yes, and that's the one I've used. The little dog just running around everywhere, just like gathering gold. And I'm losing my shit when I first noticed it because I forgot that was something that was happening. So I'm like, wait a minute. What the fuck is my pet doing? Why is it? Where's all the gold? Whoa, it's bringing me gold. And it was just like this moment of like dawning on me and everybody, like the people I, were play, I was playing with were just laughing hysterically at me because I'm like, yes, go dog, go. Actually, the best thing is when you're in with somebody else and you can't see their loot, but you see their mini pet going ballistic all over the place. <laughs> what did you guys think of the new zones? I actually haven't gotten to explore too much of the new zone yet. Um, but it, like visually, it looks really yeah. stellar. Like the mood, the atmosphere that it portrays is really nice. Yeah, I've, I've only spent a little bit in the uh, the Royal Wing, Royal Quarters. But I, I was actually in gray hollow for a bunch last night like i went there for a for um for a bounty and i just like stayed because it was cool as shit like the weird spectral sea monsters and there's all like there's actually a really fair amount of lore in there as well with all the journals and like once you collect all the journals you actually unlock optional boss fights for the storyline it's crazy yeah i well, i know what i'm doing tonight i found the leoric's manor was just incredible to look at. Mm -hmm. I mean, all you have to do is go across and, and turn left instead, go look at the old one and then turn right afterwards and go up the stairs and look at the new stuff. And at least in my eyes, it's night and day. I mean, it's just beautiful, beautiful. The well, new it's zone also infinitely more regal too. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the new zone I found was kind of like 
it had a lot of atmosphere, but I still mm-hmm. found it a little kind of dull. It, it looks good, don't get me wrong, but it's yet another moody, dark place with a lot of trees to run around. And once again, far too many insects. Like, be nice to have something else. Still, I like it, and I like the fact that, again, as my crusader, there appears to be quite a few more mobs there. So it was a lot more fun to go in and grind that area as well. See, my problem is right now I'm at this weird equilibrium point with my my barbarian. I can't die, but I don't quite have the damage to kill massive amounts of shit yet at certain difficulties. So I'm still trying to find my sweet spot. I found that what I had to do is I was grouping up with people. And because even with like four or five pieces, you do some damage, just not a lot, but you live through anything. So basically you go in with groups that are DPS and then just kind of nobody's going to know. Well, they do know, but nobody says (laughs) that you're really not killing shit very fast, but you're not dying. So you're not holding up the group too much. And if you replace just one skill for the time being with a taunt, at least you're keeping the mobs off of them as well. And then you just replace it once you get the final piece, because once you get the final piece of invokers and all of a sudden your thorns are doing a significant amount more DPS, it's night and day playstyle. Again, I'm running through. I can do uh, Torment 10, no problem, and survive. And it's like, <laughs> like, what the <laughs> hell? This early in the game? I shouldn't be. But it's just a lot of fun. And I also like the other thing that's keeping me playing is not just the fact that, A, it's a lot of fun. And I'm still, even though I've got all the gear that I need, now it's about enhancing it, leveling up those gems and things like that. But I'm actually enjoying it just because there's some really, really cool new gear in this as well. Just regular gear, be it your shield, your weapon, different things that have different procs, different things that are actually fairly friggin' cool. And if you like playing around with that, offers a very different play style to, to mess around with it and have fun. Yeah, that's the thing. We haven't even seen like a lot of the best builds yet because that, what is it, that ring set that if that's your only set, you get yeah. ludicrous amounts of damage based on your ancient legendaries. There's some really cool theory-crafted builds out there <laughs> that most people haven't had time to actually gather all the drops they need. But it's it's going to be so fun. Like There are so many legendaries I look at and I'm like, man, I, I wish I had room for this in my gear set. My freaking tabs are already all full. Including the one new one, You're I need to figure out. Miss Holder, You're I, a her- hoarder. Yes and no. I I want to um sal- uh, not salvage, but uh, get all the powers from the cube from them. So that's why lately now I've been doing just bounties, straight bounties, just so that I can strip everything, the powers, and then I could just get rid of them afterwards. But um, but I need to figure out because I know that you can fill up the second page, essentially, quote unquote page of stash you can fill them all up same as the other one but i've only got the first tab and i don't know how you get the other ones yet i'm gonna have to figure out i know the the extra tab they added was through season journey stuff so uh, yeah maybe chapter five or six or something i don't know i don't know i'll have to see because yeah that that's maybe it was tied in with the the set dungeons i don't think complete a certain number of those because the thing is is that we have to hang on to more now we have to hang on to those sets to be able to do the dungeons you got to be efficient, Raj. No. It's all of my things. I'm keeping my things and you can't make me salvage them. So anyways, I, again, I don't know how much more you want to talk about it. If you guys have anything you wanted to say about how much fun you've been having with different aspects. Honestly, I'm just enjoying the fact that I'm playing, like I, I had a barbarian and I've never really given it the time of day. And I'm actually enjoying still going through a season with a, a tune that I'm not used to. And this is something that even now in season five, I can still do because I didn't, I haven't played it nearly as much as you guys, uh, is that I'm experiencing a barbarian for the first time. I'm experiencing the fun of like vortex and whirlwind for the first time. I'm experiencing the first time of leaping all the way across the goddamn screen and killing things by impacting my butt onto its face. Like it's just really entertaining for me because this is all new to me still. And I, that's, 
I'm happy that I can say that after this game's been out for as long as it has at this point. You get a lot of that from the sets, obviously, not just the gear that you get and whatnot, but these new sets, and because they've tweaked the other ones as well, so you can still have a lot of fun. Like Tristan, case in point, even though he has the full set, is actually playing with a split set with one of the other older ones that they've tweaked. And so he's got this insane Archon build where he's like doing millions of damage every second, and he just kind of hovers around pulsating, killing everything. <laughs> <laughs> and it's awesome. But I think that, again, the Crusader has been a, a class that I've wanted to enjoy, mm -hmm. but I've hated since its release. And they, they tried really hard last season with the Tower of Light set. Didn't work. And they got close. <laughs> the Tower of Light set this season, now that they've made a couple very minor tweaks, like honestly stuff that should have been in place last season, like – it's actually really awesome again this season. <laughs> so like I'm not entirely mad. I'm starting to get that set of my Crusader instead of the Invoker set because I didn't enjoy playing that build too much last season. So I'm excited to try it out again this season. Yeah. Listen, the Crusader is always fun when you get on your fiery war steed and run the hell away from your friends that are in combat and leave yeah, them. Once every 16 seconds. I mean, come on. That's the worst mobility skill in the game. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, but it's great Dude, when you're running away from things. I've got the steed that the cooldown is literally two to three seconds. Me, 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 me. <laughs> but it's great because you just go zip and then wait a couple seconds, voomp, and you're gone and it's... Like, I, trust me, I love my friggin' steed. I'm on it all the time. So, but yeah, what I was saying is that, again, it's making us enjoy classes that we otherwise would not necessarily have mm -hmm. because of how cool they are. I, my favorite last season was, of course, my, uh, my witch doctor. And I haven't touched her this season at all. And I really want to later on because I'm seeing freaking locust swarms every time oh, yeah. I'm grouping with people, which pisses me off because I think, did a set piece just drop? Damn it. It's just a freaking green <laughs> locust swarm because you see that green everywhere. And it's like, oh, a set piece. Oh, you fucking bastards. <laughs> yeah, Witch, Witch Doctor didn't get the huge overhaul that like Demon Hunter and Crusader got, but it got just enough tweaks to make it really cool in a very different way this season. Yeah, and still dangerous. Again, I grew up with some, and they were freaking dangerous. So, plenty awesome. Okay, Vince, any parting thoughts yourself? Um, I would like to see next season give us one free 70 per account, because honestly, 1 to 70 is inconsequential anymore. It's just a waste of time, almost. I'd rather have another character slot or two. Well, with added. Rebirth, you don't really need character slots anymore. Oh, yes and no. Actually, hey, you know my I mean, main thing is freaking stash. That's the biggest be, thing. Be, I Once a season is over, that gear is irrelevant to me. <laughs> I have lost so much gear in the end of seasons because I never go back to the non-seasonal characters. Yeah, I don't either. I was going to say, maybe instead next time, like, do Rebirth, but instead of setting you back to zero, it just makes you a seasonal character. Like, that's mm. all it does. I'm not saying, like, everybody should get all their free 70s, but one free level 70 per account per season, I, I would like that. Just because, is it, one to 70, it's nothing but a time sink at this point. Yeah. Well, especially if you know some other people. Because when we actually play Cause, to cause get to like, 70. For the, first, for the first day or two, it's everybody slogging through bounties and rifts or whatever to get to 70. And then once, you know, you have a friend who can do torment rifts, it's like, it becomes irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Okay, let's move on. Vince, you had a crap load to say about XCOM 2. I thought it was hilarious that I put like one link in there and then you just went ham. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to find a whole bunch of XCOM No, stuff. actually, some of this was old stuff that you had posted as well. I found some, but some of it was old links Roger that you had posted. Roger never forgets. Have you not learned this, Vince? <laughs> I just pretend to. So anyways. You're like, did you see all the links? I'm like, no, the but I'm good. <laughs> the floor is yours. Go. So, yes, we are in full hype mode for XCOM 2 now. It comes out uh, three weeks from now, I believe it is. Important to and note, before you keep going, you can get XCOM 1 right now and Humble oh, yes. Bundle for a buck. Yeah, the Humble Firaxis bundle going on right now is insane. Uh, I think for, I think it's $15 if you go for the highest tier. You basically get everything. Civ 3, Civ 4, Civ Beyond Earth, and XCOM Enemy Unknown all with all DLC and expansions. It's insane. Yeah. 
What we're saying is go and buy this because it's definitely worth your time and money. Just think, I'm buying it just for the Beyond Earth expansion because I haven't gotten it yet. And it's cheaper just to buy it through the Humble Bundle. And I'm just going to give away a whole bunch of games to people. But yes, XCOM 2. Full hype mode engaged. We're seeing so much about the game now. A lot of press and YouTube personalities and whatnot are getting their hands on early builds, uh, pre-release builds of the game. And holy crap, does this just look fantastic. Like, I'm hearing all these shadowy whispers about how cool the story is, but nobody can show it off. Like they're, they're under embargo of no cutscenes, no story, but show all the gameplay stuff you want. But I am just at peak hype for this at this point. Now that Scalebound has been delayed, XCOM is back to my number one most anticipated game of 2016. (laughs) But it's really exciting seeing all the stuff they've changed from Enemy Unknown and Enemy Within up to XCOM 2. Learned what worked, what didn't, what they wanted to tweak, what they wanted to keep the same. And I'm excited because there's so much randomness now. And not just like, oh, just, you know, random, you know, to hit rolls and this and that. But every time you start the game, you're going to be starting under a different situation. You're going to be your home base is going to be in a different part of the world. The bonuses you get from uniting various territories into uh, one cohesive continent of control, those are randomized now. So there's no there's no longer going to be a set path when you start the game because XCOM is not a very forgiving game. You're going to start this two, three, four, fifty times before you kind of figure the game out. And I like that. I like you know learning more about the game as I play instead of just finding the best build online because that's what the first game came is, okay, you start here, you build this first, you build this second, this day, of the, and there was a set build of just this is how you win the game. And you're not going to have that in XCOM 2. You're going to have you know, optimized strategies, of course, things you're going to want to try to work for, but if some of these buffs and bonuses aren't even present in your world, you're going to have to come up with new plans on the fly. But I like that because it's going to encourage players to try out different things that maybe they didn't want to do before. And okay, well, I don't have access to uh, psi operatives in this playthrough. Like I just can't afford it. I don't have the tech I need. So I'm going to go real heavy into gunslingers and, and sharpshooters. So that's going to be something that, you know, you can pick up and it now becomes part of your toolkit that, once you find a more successful starting situation and you progress deeper and deeper into the game, you're going to have such a better understanding of the mechanisms that you're really going to appreciate the full game a lot more. Like I've seen two, three, four, four or five different uh, YouTube playthroughs of a handful of missions and every single one of them had a different tactic. It wasn't okay. You need, you know, your squad sniper here. You need your assault there they had all developed equally effective tactics to get them through the game. And that's really exciting for me. Yeah. Well, it makes a big difference too, in terms of how long you play the game as well. Case in point with, with D three right now, a lot of people, myself included like the, the demon hunter, I kind of messed around with a little bit more before eventually going and looking at what the quote unquote best build is. But that crusader that's right out of a cookie cutter belt. That's mm-hmm. supposed to be the best one. And all of the other things are keeping me playing. But if it wasn't for all of that, once you've figured it all out and it's like, yeah, okay, well, whatever, then you'd stop. This kind of attitude where it's about trial and error and that is what leads you to have a lot more fun with it and continue to play so that you can figure out what works in that given instance. That, again, will keep you coming back time and time again. Mm-hmm. The thing that I'm most happy for now is the game has an overarching storyline, of course, of, you know, you're now this resistance, which is such a cool twist on the formula of you being the resistance instead of the defense system. All the missions suddenly have much higher stakes and the the base building and going around the world, all the stuff that you have to do with picking your missions like uh, in Enemy Unknown randomly throughout the, the year. You would get abduction missions where there's three abduction sites and you have to choose which one you want to help out. Uh, The bonus was you would pick, you know, which reward you want. You always went for engineers because engineers were by far the best reward you could get. And the only downside was panic would increase in the two places you don't go, which panic you can very easily drop back down with satellite coverage and stuff like that. Well, in this game, 
yes, you have that one bonus that you want to pick, but the way they've balanced the meta game and the the what what they call it, they have different layers of the game now. The um, the tactical layer is the actual in game like combat gameplay, and then there's the the strategy layer is I think what they call the meta game of managing your resources, managing your allies. Uh, okay, I need I need to build up intel points so that I can trade that to the black market in exchange for supplies so I can feed my troops this month. Like shit like that is really cool for me. But not only that, the penalties are very different as well. You're not always going to be going with what gives me the best reward. Sometimes you're going to be with which which one gives me the least horrible penalties <laughs> for failing. Like and some of them are hardcore. Like there's timed missions in the game where like okay, in a month the aliens are going to build a super weapon and blow you up. You could do whatever you want for that month, as long as, you know, by the time the 31st rolls around, you're invading that base. Well, some of these missions, the the penalty will be, oh, they're accelerating their production schedule. You don't have until the 31st. You don't have until the 21st. So, you know, maybe you really want those extra supplies, but you can't afford the time of having the aliens plan go quicker. So there's a lot of really cool balance there. And that's going to bring out a lot of emergent story in the game. Every time you play through the game, the game's story is going to be the same. But what's going to be different every time is your story, your role as the commander, your troops, your XCOM unit. That personal story that you're creating through your playthrough is going to be very different every time. And what they've done with the character creation is insane like visual customization i i'm shocked the amount of visual customization in this game where most of the time your soldiers are an inch tall on the screen (laughs) but when you're in the base the soldiers that you've built and recruited are actually present in the base they're in the training room they're in the bar they're walking around the bridge you know they're cleaning weapons they're they're actually present there you can even go so far as to give your soldiers that you created custom backstories and that's that's not surprising though it's not i don't want to say surprising but it's an awful lot of detail that doesn't matter from a mechanical perspective you're right but here but i'm so glad they put it in I don't know, like, if you follow, like, the community that sprung up behind the original XCOM game as far as, like, and I, I know this is a dangerous term to throw on, but, like, the fan fictions and the arts <laughs> and the fan arts and stuff like that that sprung up from the original XCOM game, this is literally, this, this is just feeding into that, and this is something that they've recognized and are putting into the game that players are doing outside of the game the first time around. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to give them more tools to do it on their own. And I think that's phenomenal because they're actually paid attention to like things that were emerging in their fan base. And we're just like, you know what? This is really cool. Look at this art people are making. Look at the backstories they're making for like their lying grunts. We should let them do this in game. It mm-hmm. won't matter for anything, but it's going to be cool as hell. Yeah, Kudos to them for that. No, I think it's awesome. And one of the things that I like a lot is let's 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 say I have a, a lieutenant grenadier who is just like the MVP of my team. You know, this playthrough is doomed. I'm fucked. I'm not going to raid the alien base in time. You know, I've, too many countries have fallen under alien control, but I can take that awesome grenadier and save it. Like even if it's a procedurally generated character, like I can save that character into my soldier pool. So you know, next playthrough, maybe two or three playthroughs from now, there's a chance that that exact same character with that exact same name appearance, and I can even set it that whenever this character does show up, they show up as a grenadier. So it's going to be like, it's going to be like the reinforcements. It's going to be like a movie scene of like the doors opening and the badass soldier walking in. It's going to have, again, emergent storytelling. And I also love that you can't, you don't just have to design soldiers. You can design civilian NPCs as well as enemy NPCs. You can create your own villains in this game. I'm going to make a Vince. (laughs) (laughs) He will be ferocious, but very ticklish. (laughs) So, yeah, it's uh, everything they're doing from a gameplay standpoint looks so much fun, but all the other stuff around it just has me so impressed and so excited. Like, I've said so many times, I don't have time for like really hard games. You know, if I can't get through a game, like I'll play a long game, but I'm not going to waste my time like bashing my head against a Bloodborne. 
I will gladly bash my head against XCOM for however long it takes just because the game is so much fun to me to play and it never gets old. It never feels like I'm wasting my time playing it. I know know, even if I'm not (laughs) getting any better at certain aspects, I'm still it's still going to be an enjoyable gaming session for me. I'm going to be picking up the first one. I still don't have the first one. I'm going to pick it up on this. Humble well, Bundle you can thing. find it at humblebundle.com. Uh, I know. Yeah, but I was checking out their freaking winter sale. You scroll for like three days through their winter sales. I've got so many things on sale right now, so I haven't picked it up yet, but I will. Because, yeah, for a buck, I'll probably put in the 15, even though I'm trying not to spend money just so I can get the, the Beyond Earth one, too, because I, I am... I was before, and I want to. I really have wanted to play that. That's kind of. I, awesome. I've never been huge into the Civ games. Like they're enjoyable, but Beyond Earth just really worked with me. I really love the sci-fi aesthetic and the different stuff they did there. It fit really, really well. All right. Anything else before we move on? I think that's enough XCOM. I I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree. All right. There was some uh, MMO news this week. Well, I should say last week. There was a little bit for Swotor. They had their their dev and uh, community manager stream, but they kind of danced around a lot of what the announcements are, like the PVP stuff and whatnot. And there wasn't much in terms of PVE stuff that they talked about other than when you're going to be able to recruit Bowdar and Blizz and things like that. So that's, again, not big news. Same with Elder Scrolls Online. They, they put out their year ahead post, but there really wasn't too much there either. And there was also the Guild Wars 2, though. Joe, did you find anything useful in there? Other than being able to glide everywhere. Oh, my God. There is so (laughs) much stuff here. Like, yes. So one of their first major updates that's coming this month is you're going to be able to glide everywhere. So players have been asking for that. And that's going to open up a whole new realm of, like, exploring and just kind of figuring stuff out. That's really, really cool. (laughs) Um, Well, the most important thing that I actually got from this, from the state of the game, was their thoughts on their dev cycles. So before actually releasing uh, Heart of Thorns, they were very seasonal updates, right? They were very episodic. They were very living world. They were very, we're going to keep moving the game along at a steady pace, but nothing really big. Then leading up to the, the expansion, they switched gears completely. And they took all the devs off of all the most of the seasonal stuff and just kind of kept things pottering along there and poured everything they had into this major massive expansion, which I'm going to be honest, it's gorgeous. I'm not, it's a, it's a fantastic expansion. And I mean, it's still free. So, I mean, after you buy it, well, it's worth it. It's absolutely gorgeous. And the mechanics are great. the, The classes are great. And the game is still phenomenal. Right now they stated that they're going to do a 50, 50 split in their dev time. Seasonal updates are still going to occur every three months. So you're going to get the four seasons, et cetera, et cetera. You're also going to have team dedicated to major content updates like expansions. That's very ambitious, and that's really cool to me. As somebody who works in software development and works in a company that does that, that's a big undertaking, and I don't think people are going to realize how important that is because that could be a defining moment for ArenaNet as far as this game going forward is. Well, yes and no. They've consistently been good about that kind of stuff since Guild Wars, I mean, that's the one thing that I've always respected about them is that content does come through and, I mean, it's typically good and fun and the and their support is phenomenal. Like, they're, they, their servers are up damn near all the time. Yes, Blizzard, I'm looking at you. <laughs> and, and almost every other MMO now that feels like they need to take a day to reset their servers. Freaking ArenaNet just rocks through it like rock stars. So, yeah, no, I, I have a lot of faith in those guys. Well, you know, I'm not saying that I don't have faith, but I'm just saying, like, it's a pivotal moment as far as the decision for Guild Wars 2, at least to me. like it's Well, it's, it's, it's planning it's for expansions now, too, is what yes. it is, because for the longest time it was, this is going to be a living world. And then when the expansion came out, it was like, whoa, 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 this was supposed to be all constantly living world and whatnot. And they had to try to sell you on the idea that, no, no, this is a significant amount of stuff. That's why it has to come as an expansion, which... I will say I believe them. It's true. It is. But now to say we're going to keep going with both, yes, it is a, a big statement. As long as they can maintain it, then, again, it's it's one of the most vital 
alive MMOs out there just because there's this constant influx of content as well as now we know going to be further expansions as well. Yep, and not only are there going to be further expansions, uh, there's going to be, again, continuing updates, like there's going to be a new raid world boss. Uh, they're expanding the way that raids are structured so that players that are familiar with like having lieutenants or uh, marking things, like basically having assistance in a raid, that's, being, that's something that they're putting in there. Uh, they're adding more controls into the game to give you more key bindings, which is awesome, uh, as well as what I thought was really cool from a technical standpoint is you're going to have uh, features like a push-to-toggle or a hold-to-toggle mode so that you can snap between, like, snap targeting ground effects or, or whatever the case is. I think that's really, really cool. We're seeing um, that in more of them now. I mean, Which that's, I think that's is like really Wildstar nice. kind of thing has got that down to science now. And yeah, and we need to see that in pretty much every MMO from now on, just because it makes such a huge difference in how you play the game. It adds so much to, to gameplay and combat going forward. It also adds a lot to accessibility to yeah. for players, which is a big thing, because if you can't hold down a button or if you can't really click a toggle quick enough, you have your choice between the two, and that that's, goes a long way. Um, there's going to be a new Raid Wing uh, coming out, Salvation Pass, uh, which is going to be really, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to have uh, new masteries, new rewards, new, uh, new bosses, and uh, new mysterious things in the Maguma jungle. Uh, there's going to be the Lunar New Year event. Uh, there's going to be a PvP League launch in February where there's going to be PvP League seasons, which is awesome. Uh, there's, it's just, everything that I saw here is that this tells me how well this game is still doing for yeah. them. Yeah. And that warms my heart because I absolutely love this game and everything I saw here, pure gold. Yep, definitely. You found something else this week, or I should say last week again, that was freaking awesome. This Lands of Ruin, which we need to get more people working on this kind of thing. Because until VR gets to a point where we can all sit around a virtual table playing together, this is the kind of thing that you can really have a lot of fun with by incorporating traditional tabletop and new tech. And I'm all for that. I thought it was awesome. So here, anybody who doesn't know me at this point, I'm sorry, you know, I'm awesome. Welcome to the train. But I'm a huge, huge fan of tabletop war games and minis in general. The problem is, is a lot of times those games are very static. And while there's stories and there's scenarios and there's missions, they're not very dynamic. What you set up on the table is static throughout the entire fight. Yes, dice rolls can happen and they'll change the effects. About a couple of years ago, there was another, there was a company that tried to make a game. It was uh, Arcana Gollum or Gollum Arcana. And it was trying to make an augmented virtual reality where you would incorporate minis as well as an augmented virtual reality through a mobile device. And it was supposed to make the game more dynamic. Failed absolutely miserably, excuse me. But now we have this, uh, another company, which is 6X Games, uh, who's producing this this wonderful game that while the game itself seems a little convoluted from a rules standpoint, the fact that they're integrating miniatures, tabletops, standard stuff like that with a control console template that's an application you run on a mobile device, a tablet, or a PC that also has things that happen outside of your control. Like, one of the cool things that got to me was that there's going to be AI-controlled NPCs that will interact with you before, during, and after a battle. That's a really cool concept because generally when you're playing against somebody else, it's just the two of you moving stuff around. There's really nothing else unless you invite a third person, which is just kind of weird and awkward. Here you can attract other monsters to the field. Uh, there could be you know weather conditions that start to affect gameplay and your roles and how your attacks go. Uh, and there could be non-combat NPCs that are just like village folks that are trying to get out of the way. And that's really, really cool. Because to me, that opens up a world of possibilities for campaigns, for storytelling, for wonderful handcrafted missions, and for something that doesn't feel static. It that produces was a big one. An, it, it produces an absolutely wonderfully dynamic experience for a tabletop player. It also opens up an opportunity for those players that are interested in tabletop mm-hmm. wargaming that don't have somebody to play with. Because this is another thing where you can set up to play against the computer. You can play against the AI in real life. 
You can play against your own deep blue, so to speak, in miniature wargaming. That is absolutely insane to me. Everything I'm seeing here is phenomenal from a technology standpoint because merging those two hobbies, it's been something that people have been trying for years. And 6X Games, they're hitting the mark. Everything I'm seeing from what they're producing is they know what they're doing. They know what they're looking for. And this is this is opening up a whole new world of possibilities for people that are into to mini wargaming or just fun technology or storytelling or campaigns and missions like I am. It's I, I'm I'm so jazzed for this. I really, really am. <laughs> well, what I like about it is that since the software is handling so much of you know, the math and the, the, the rolling and all, and all the rules, <laughs> Screw math. The, you're able to put in a lot more creative rules like encumbrance and a lot of the, the cool stuff there that they're Marvel. adding in. Yeah, like it, it it allows you to do that without making the game more complicated. It's just, OK, check off this on your character inventory and the game will handle the rest. I really like that because I forget who it was, uh, but a wise man once said, Watching two people play Warhammer on a tabletop is a competition of who knows the rules the best, not who's the better strategist. Yeah, it's fairly accurate. (laughs) The way that I look at it is the same way as what uh, Corey has said about Hex, wherein they're able to do a lot cooler Mm -hmm. things with cards and things that they can do because it's all done digitally and the AI takes care of it for you because otherwise you could not do a ton of what's in the game if you were actually had the cards and had to do it yourself and keep up with everything whereas because the AI is doing it all it's a joke and it really adds this insane level of fun to the game otherwise and that's what this has the potential to do where in again you're playing because you want to have fun not because you want to keep a spreadsheet of everything well, and the other cool thing about that, too, is in, and was something that they pointed out in their own mission statement. It's adding realism, not complication, to games yeah. as players want. So, like, if you want to have a game where you're counting ammunition and you have to make decisions on that, you can. If you want to have a game where encumbrance is a thing and you have to watch how much weight you're carrying. Fuck encumbrance. But I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Fuck encumbrance. But you can also turn it off and then you make Roger very happy. I, but it's it's cool because or there's you could turn there's, it up to extremely punishing. <laughs> you could <laughs> just to watch Roger squirm. That feather you're know, carrying like, to write with is a little too heavy. <laughs> Fuck you, but, Joe. <laughs> but I've seen I've seen players argue on table like during tabletop matches about like I fought I fired a cannonball it should bounce or you know it should explode or whatever the case is. Here you can have as much or as little as you want predetermined by either you or you and your opponent. And I also like the way that they handle, in the game itself, victory conditions. You have your own secret objectives. uh, You have public objectives. And then also throughout the course of the game, players can just agree to end the match. Like, they can say, okay, we've had enough both sides. We're going to go ahead and just call it here. You don't have to completely wipe the table clean with me. (laughs) So you don't have to pull off a Monopoly after four hours where you just freaking (laughs) throw the board on the ground. (laughs) Oh, sorry, kids. I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) That's another thing is is the way it handles like stealth and traps, stuff that basically honor system on the tabletop. (laughs) No, no, I swear that's where my landmine was. You just didn't know it. Well, I also like that too with the uh, the characters and secret deployment, like the mm-hmm. way that it handles that as well, because it's pre-marked. You mark it during your deployment in the app, and then the app knows which character is you know your actual named character that's just hiding among the ranks of your your standard troops, and that's really cool because again, like you said, honor system. While some games have gotten better about making rules to handle that, now it's just it's perfectly handled right at the beginning. End of story. Yeah, it will be awesome. Okay, moving on. We have now been starting to get even more news from people who are playing The Division. And this was one of those where, depending on depending on what type of game you like to play, what type of shooter you like to play and whatnot, and your experience with recent shooters like Destiny and things like that, it was easy to get hyped about it, except that it's Ubisoft. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's easy to also kind of be a little weary, but we've been getting more news in terms of what it is we can actually expect from it. Go ahead, Vince. 
Well, it's funny because now that we've had this big press event that happened uh, a week or two ago, I forgot this game was coming out. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> we, f- we first heard about it, what, two and a half years ago? It's been a while, yeah. And it's it's been noticeably quiet for a significant portion in, in the interim, but it comes out in like March, I think. So we're getting these big press events and a lot of people getting their hands on near finished versions of it, alphas and betas. And on one hand, it's really cool. And I really like a lot of the stuff they're doing. I mean, first of all, just the world they have set up. It takes place in not near future. It's like now, basically in New York City. And they have painstakingly recreated New York City in the game. Like, I think it's, that's incredible. It's there. <laughs> that's freaking awesome. The the details and the characters and the environments and like even the subtle stuff like, you know, what's on the TV? What do the newspapers say? Like, it's not just art. It's actually importance to the world and to the game. And the gameplay of being this Tom Clancy RPG of having the, you know, the tactical sort of stuff with what we've come to expect from Diablo and Destiny and whatnot of gear upgrades and, you know, fancy stuff like that and loot grinds. Cool. I love the concept of the Dark Zone, where it's this higher level area where all the best loot is, but you can only get the loot out from certain extraction points. And once the extraction point is activated, everybody knows, hey, there's a guy standing there for the next five minutes with some cool loot. So it it gives a lot of uh, cool gameplay aspects. But on the other hand, when I watch people play the game, not that interesting like i was actually watching some videos earlier tonight before the podcast i literally fell asleep <laughs> yeah but you're getting old and you need your nap afterwards this Most is true nights, give me a break but roger's speaking from experience it's true i also watched darkest dungeon some gameplay of that and i didn't fall asleep so <laughs> just saying like it has uh, people are likening it to destiny of, well, you know, OK, yeah, it's it's an RPG. It's not a realistic shooter. You're not going to get a one shot kill with a headshot I'm like, well, you, you're doing destiny. But that's beside the point. It's like, yeah, you know, it takes, you know, a clip or two to take down a, a regular enemy. I'm like a clip or two for yeah. a regular enemy is pretty Absurd. excessive from my point of view, and especially since it's not destiny. You're not running around. You're not jumping. You're not flying. You're not throwing grenades. You're not dodging. You're hiding behind a desk and shooting from cover for however long it takes to unload two clips per enemy into 20 enemies. Like, into a dude who's wearing a sweater. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, little, it, what, what little did Johnny Shooter know is that he was actually just missing every shot. <laughs> they all hit non-vital points miraculously. <laughs> all the bullets went through the same hole so they didn't cause any additional damage. <laughs> so i i love absolutely everything i see about this game it looks so interesting so engaging so much fun conceptually but then when i look at the actual gameplay of in action i'm like i don't want to play this i think i would want to play it a lot more were it not for the fact that everybody's a bullet sponge that's a huge turnoff for me it's not because of the the disconnect per se, mm-hmm. I can wrap my brain around. That oh yeah. Let it go kind it's of a thing. video game. I can get over that. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's not fun. Right. You know, when you're playing a game where someone may need four or five shots, a yes, that's excessive, but you can still rationalize it a little bit more because it kind of, okay, well, you might not have hit them properly yeah. or it could be any number of things. Adrenaline's pumping. They're just going to keep coming after you kind of thing, whatever. But it's still kind of fun because then you are trying to get either a headshot or, you know, something that will work in your favor to take them down faster. But when it is something where they are quite literally a bullet sponge, and we see that in Destiny 2, mm-hmm. the excuse in Destiny is, well, it's a boss, it's from another planet or whatever, it's got different armor, so yeah, you're going to okay have to shoot a it. boss-type character being a bullet sponge, but I mean, most Within of the reason, aren't. It just, yeah. it, it gets boring is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. There, so, there's, there's a limit, of course. And yeah. Destiny has done a good job of recognizing well, that. And except for the bosses. But slightly. The, but with this, if you're needing to unload a couple of clips just into Joe with a freaking trench coat or, or hoodie kind of thing. Well, it's because I'm secretly two midgets. I mean, I'm sorry. There is that. Okay, we, we did establish that. But it, for everybody else, 
that just slows down gameplay for no other reason than to slow it down. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's not fun anymore. Yeah, like especially since it's the the, you know, the Tom Clancy style game of you can be as awesome and tactical as you want, but it doesn't matter. Like you, you know, your secured, tactically superior position isn't going to help you much when there's seven guys running at you at once, and you just literally don't have enough time to kill them all, no matter how tactically positioned you you are. Like it kind of loses that Tom Clancy feel. Yeah, and that's that's a big thing for me because like one of my favorite games was uh, Rainbow Six Raven Shield. And I played the hell out of that game. And that game was about finding a tactically superior position, not running and gunning and, like, just dumping bullets into people. And I like those games because it was slow and methodical. I don't like to run and gun all of the damn time. I like coordinating with team members. I like figuring out, like, okay, well, here's our kill zone. Here's our ambush tactic. Here's what we're going to do. You know, stuff like that. I enjoy that. And the fact that one shot doesn't necessarily equal a kill if I shoot you in the face, I'm going to have a problem with that. That's going to greatly reduce my enjoyment of it. And I think you're absolutely right. At that point, it stops feeling like a Tom Clancy game. If if you're going to have all the other trappings of the strategic gameplay, but you're lacking in that one aspect, it kind of diminishes the whole in my eyes. See, for me, it's a wasted opportunity. You Mm -hmm. spent so much time crafting New York and instead of making it so that players will find rooftops or alleys, work together creatively to snipe or shoot or distract or whatever enemies so that they can, again, tactically, like you're saying, get past, it's just going to be a lineup, hide behind this turned over cab and just fire three, four clips, move to the next spot. So it's a wasted opportunity when you're looking at the setting, which would allow you to have so much fun. Mm -hmm. And even you want to play solo and just go along freaking rooftops, sniping snipers just for fun kind of thing. Sneak up behind them. All of these different play styles that you could have a ton of fun with. Just nobody's going to bother with that because what's the point? Yeah, just have the best best gun with the biggest clip, and you're going to win. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on. Joe, you had like three freaking trailers that you were super excited about. <laughs> the end of the show is yours. Go. So the first one that I want to talk about is actually going to be Technomancer. We talked about it previously, but we're actually starting to get some more developed trailers and information about the game. Uh, For those of you that may have missed that, uh, it's a game set 200 years after humans have colonized Mars. You play as a technomancer named Zachariah, uh, who's kind of running from some secret police. And uh, when I say technomancer, it is a perfect melding in the cyberpunk style of magic and machine. And you can do really cool things like empowering weapons, uh, causing all sorts of like neuro disruptions and things like that. Um, it is an RPG uh, the, where you can choose from three styles of combat. There's a warrior style like sword and board. There's a monk style uh, like uh, quarterstaff combat. And then there's an assassin style like daggers and, and shadowy thievery type stuff. And then you have a, another skill of just pure technomancy where you can unlock different abilities to in, infuse either through your weapons or just use them as a uh, – use them as like a, a mage would. Uh, it's really damn cool. Uh, you get companions. Companions can level up. And you get to explore Mars. And you get to explore these weird fucking creatures and weird people and – Everything I'm seeing about this is just really nifty. Like, the visuals are cool, the setting is awesome, the atmosphere is cool, and the idea of a Technomancer is just really, really fun for me. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. And I want to see more. Uh, so far, we've gotten the first contract, first contact trailer and some weird announcing stuff where they show off a lot of the lighting, the shadow effects, which are really cool. They show off the combat styles, and uh, it's just visually impressive this is yeah. this is the type of stuff that i'm looking forward to in next gen games it's freaking awesome looking i mean that's one of the things that we realized when they first announced it and then when you were talking about it i went and looked and they do have a little bit more information now and it just it looks great it's that type of game that we love as well but again i just can't get over how amazing it looks i i'm blown away i i, I am looking forward to the story and hoping that it holds up well, and then that's the other thing, too. There's also going to be five endings to this game, too. Or at least that's a lot for me for a single-player yeah. <laughs> RPG. 
Yeah, I remember reading about this God, last year, I think. And I was like, OK, you know, the story and like, you know, their gameplay concepts sounds really cool. Then I forgot about it. And then I saw this. I was like, hey, this is that game. And I was blown away. Like the end of this trailer when that crazy boss shows up. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I need this. <laughs> well, it's coming at the right time, too. With the whole race to, to Mars thing kind of thing and everything that's been coming from the rover there, it's it's at a good time where we're in that kind of Mars hype stage right now where it's fun and in the movies and books and stuff like that. So if it can come out reasonably soon and really play on that as well, it's coming out at a very good time. It will be fun. Yeah, I'm going to role play my guys, Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. That's all I got for that. So, yeah, it's, it's actually a, one of those ones that I'm really looking forward to as well. Now, from the new, I'm going to talk a little bit about some Rebirth of the Old. Uh, so Project Shadow Moses, that is uh, that is a thing that's happening where it is a... For now. Quote, for now. A, it's being billed as a mod right now for the Unreal Engine where players are faithfully recreating the Metal Gear Solid in the next, in basically Unreal, and it looks absolutely freaking gorgeous. I just hope that it, you know, actually goes through. I think they might be able to sneak it in because it's a mod and they're not going to be selling it, so that might actually help their case a little bit. Yeah, but Konami. That's true, but I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. It was very I mean, shiny floors. Very, very. But I actually, I mean, one of the cool things was seeing some of the high rendering of, like, uh, the Psycho Mantis room or even the high definition of you hiding in a box. That was actually really funny. Uh, it's, it's, it's just one of those things to keep your eye on because if it does actually release, if you were a fan of the original, like, the original Metal Gear Solid before any remakes were done, it, it seems like this might be something up your alley. Hey, I like Twin Snakes. Twin Snakes was okay. It was okay. It was good. Now, the last one is uh, something that it's kind of what people have been waiting for, but not exactly. <laughs> so it's a it's prospect is a uh, a new Half-Life game coming out. And no, it's not Half-Life 3, folks. Uh, it is a standalone fan made game that was built in 18 months by a single person, uh, Richard Seabrook. And it has been approved to launch on Steam on February 11th of this year. With Valve's blessing, Valve has given this blessing to to, to go forward. Uh, it's we're not going to do it. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's officially sanctioned, which I think is really really cool. Uh, it's the game is is kind of like a sequel and an expansion pack. It picks up uh, the story of Adrian Shepard, the U.S. Marine, who was the main character of Half Life: Opposing Force. Uh, which was an expansion pack for the original Half-Life game. It's set in the Nova Prospect prison during the events of Half-Life 2 with Gorman, uh, Gordon Freeman cornered in the alien stronghold and uh, Shepard is teleported in by his allies in order to, well, you know, kind of take things and, and make it awesome. It's just really cool, the visual updates and the fact that they were he got the approval to use the the visual assets. And if you're a fan of the Half-Life series, this is this is something you've been waiting for. And the game's only going to be 10 bucks. I mean, it, at that point, it's, you know, it's kind of cool. And the other thing that was awesome about it is this whole thing of the game started as a job application that, uh, <laughs> that Seabrook had sent to Valve to prove his mettle as a level designer. Yeah. So... More importantly, though, you look at, you know, what people can do with the tools that are now readily available to them. Like I said, this was made by one guy in you know, a year and a half, which in game design terms, that's pretty Not quick. Luck, yeah. <laughs> and like, look at what he came out with. And you compare it to the, the atrocities that companies put out and ask, you know, 40 to 60 dollars for like it really opens your eyes to a lot of things. Yeah. And I mean, and that's with having a solid story, having voice acting, which, okay, sweet. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of credit to be given here with like, you can see, like you said, what a fan can do with the tools that are out there right now. So triple uh, a game studios, you really need to start upping your game. Cause I'm sorry. This is proves that you're just fucking wanking off somewhere in a quarter, fucking off sometimes. Well, Fix you know, it. the way that I look at it is more so the difference between, and this is where it's a testament to indie developers. It's the difference between a board 
that is controlling your game and the money that goes into it and how it's marketed and how it's done versus passion. Mm -hmm. When somebody is passionate about creating, about creating something wonderful that's full of life, that's when it shines through. And sadly, a lot of these AAA companies are at the mercy of boards and marketing and crap like that that care more about bottom dollar than passion. And that's what I took from this. So that is going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you very much for joining us. We are a couple of days late because of the Joe. He had to work late. So, but that's all right. Normally we are live. You can find us, of course, on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern time at ForTheLord.com slash live. You can find us on Twitter at ForTheLord or individually Joe at Loaders at J, Vince at Simodian or myself at Zen Buddhist. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. And with that, we will talk to you guys next week. I'm going to play D3. <laughs> Fuck editing. <laughs> I'm taking a break till tomorrow. I'm playing D3. <laughs> Go for it, man. Enjoy your slaughter. Uh, but first wine. I wished him luck and then he said goodbye. He was gone, but still his words kept returning. What else was there for me to do but cry? Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. Would you believe that yesterday this girl was in my arms and swore to me she'd be mighty eternally and reasoning of his latest flame? Yeah, my reasoning. Oh, Marie's name. Oh, Marie's name.